Welcome to the Robert Affolter Show. I am Robert Affolter, and we're trying something a little bit different today. I'm going to try recording from my car. Every day I make a trip into Bellingham from my home in Blaine, Washington, and I'm just getting started this morning and getting set up here, so we'll see if this records okay and give us a different way to approach things. And as usual, I want to talk about controlling our thinking, controlling our minds, and there, let me get my glasses off. All right, we're just about to start rolling here. And I have about a 20-minute commute, if all goes well. And here we go. <laughs> One of the most important things, as I think I've mentioned in maybe every episode, because that seems to be a theme in my life, is that we can control our minds, we can control our thinking, and we, if we fail to do that, we're allowing others to control us. And it's interesting, though, how the mind or the brain can come up with some fascinating things. I enjoy watching my mind and and seeing the crazy things I think of that just make me laugh. I mean, they are just so crazy. I'll, give you, I'll just give a few examples. One that comes to mind is I was riding the elevator. I, for a while, I had an office on the third floor of a four-story building. And I was working late one night and got on the elevator and pushed the first floor button to go home. And the elevator stopped on second floor. And that late at night, I wasn't expecting it to stop on second floor. So I got out of the elevator. And my thought was immediately, how did all these people get moved to the first floor? <laughs> Recognizing that I was on the second floor, it wasn't that, oh, I got off on the wrong floor. My first thought was, how did they move all these people to the first floor? And it's some of these crazy associations or leaps of what might be considered logic that we come to, our brains come to, and if we don't catch them, uh, we can wind up thinking some pretty silly stuff. I had a, another one a few days ago. I've got this, my wife got a little box for me to contain all my stuff because it's spread across our dresser and she was trying to contain the spread so she bought me a box and I went to look in my box and I keep things like my wallet and my keys and my watches and I went to put my watch on the other day and my watch wasn't in my drawer or wasn't in the box and I looked all over what did I do with that watch but my first thought was what if I've been robbed? No, nothing else was missing. I had no other reason to believe that I'd been robbed. And only this one watch was missing. But yet, that thought occurred to me. I wonder if I've been robbed. And of course, I kept looking, trying to remember what in the world I could have done differently. And I tend to be a creature of habit, as I think most of us are. And so I looked in different places wondering, because I've broken my habit. My habit is to take my watch off at the end of the day and put it in the box. 
So I started looking and I looked at my office, looked on my desk, maybe I'd taken it off there. And, you know, I searched different places. Finally, by the, I don't even think it was that day, I think it was gone most of that day, it was the following day, it finally occurred to me to look in the dresser drawer right under the box. And sure enough, that's where it was. But the point being that I was able to control my mind enough to not call the police and claim I'd been robbed or start blaming someone else for my problems. I realized that it was a fault of my memory and that I just needed to keep looking until it came to me what had happened. And one of the things I've learned having researched brain research and marketing and that type of thing for the last several years is our memories can be quite in error. We tend to co-mingle things and also I say we because I know I do it and the research shows that we all do it. So the memories really aren't reliable at all and yet we think they're infallible and we'll argue like they're infallible. And a great step forward in your personal growth is to realize that your memory might be faulty. In fact, it's probably faulty. And if you really study things, you might find that you're wrong. And that can be one of the greatest things you can do is just to find out that your memories aren't right and try to get them straightened out and determine what the truth is change your mind about some things. And it's a difficult process. And the first step of the process is just being able to watch your mind. One of my favorite sayings was that was Jack Boland. Jack Boland was a unity minister back in Detroit, I think it was. And a friend of mine introduced me to him and I started ordering his audio tapes back when cassettes were a big deal. This must have been back in the 80s. And I ordered several sets of his tapes and I was so impressed, I was actually even giving the tapes out to patients because his message was similar to mine. That controlling our minds or being aware of the spiritual side of ourselves and, and using that was key to our success and he talked about the mind he likened the mind to a puppy on a leash and he said the puppy wants to go all over the place the puppy wants to go sniff a tree and wants to go smell a fire hydrant and smell something in the grass and it's wiggling all around and following that but the puppy's on a leash and the other end of that leash is you and you get to decide, are you going to follow the puppy? And remember, the analogy is the puppy is your mind. Are you going to follow the puppy? Or are you going to make the puppy do what you want it to do? Can you say, heel, get over here and follow me? And that's one of the greatest things I've been able to do. Have, you know, It's a struggle, I think, well, as far as I know. <laughs> My progress so far has been such that I know it's something that I have to continually monitor and practice. Is that controlling my mind? And people are all the time trying to get us to do something or respond to something 
which takes us away from oftentimes being in control of our minds. And it's especially true in things that we are emotional about. Somebody can say something. Right now it's the political season in the United States in particular. And in a few months, a couple months, something like that, a few weeks, we'll be electing a new president and new congressional senate and state and local politicians. And of course, we all have our favorite candidates, and we'll want to try to argue to try to persuade somebody else to change to our side. And it's very easy for me to want to point out to people that what they're posting to try to persuade me might not be quite what they think it is. And to some extent, in the last election, I, I thought that that was something I needed to be doing because I felt stronger about the candidates. But now what I'm doing this time is controlling my actions, controlling my mind, just by not quickly participating in that. So when somebody posts something, I don't have to post something immediately. Maybe I don't have to post anything at all. And what I found in my life is sometimes silence. It's the best response. <laughs> I was in the dorm uh, during college, and I was in charge of the desk assistants. And the rule was that nobody could use the phone. reason for the rule was we wanted the residents to be able to call the front desk and if somebody else was tying up the phone making personal calls then that took away the ability of the residents to use the phone. So I came in one day and the desk assistant at the time had put the phone up on the, on the counter and some man was using the phone and I needed to study. So I went over and asked the desk assistant, what's the rule for the phone? And he said, people aren't supposed to use the phone. I said, so what's going on? And I left. Now, word was, <laughs> that I found out the next day, word among the students was that I was so upset I couldn't even talk about it. And that wasn't the case at all. I wasn't upset at all. I just want to make sure that he knew what the rule was. I knew that I knew what the rule was, and I didn't appreciate him not following the rule, but once that had become clear, I was in a hurry to get back to study. However, the perception was that I was so mad I couldn't even talk. Silence was what was powerful. So think about that next. If you can control your mind and can control your actions, remember your mind comes before your actions. If you can control your mind and your actions, then you don't have to immediately respond to these things. You can actually think things out. There's a number of things that, like cliches or sayings 
that actually bring this about. One is uh, count to ten before you respond. And then, I think when I heard that as a child, it was had something to do with being angry. And count to ten before you respond. Well, think about the mechanism of that. In order to count to ten before you respond, you actually have to be in control of your mind. Isn't that a wonderful thing? <laughs> Some of these old concepts, if we really think about the mechanism of how that can happen, we can see the truth in it. If you can be upset about something and get control of yourself long enough to actually count to ten, well, if you understand the physics behind that, it's actually the spiritual side of yourself, some side of yourself that can actually take control of your brain and make matter change. Some part of you that can do that. I'm arguing that it's the spirit is the only way that can, you can do that. Once you do that, your spirit's then in control. I once called it soul control instead of mental mastery. I was calling it soul control. But either way, I think it's the same thing. We've got to get control of our minds. So as you go through your day, you really want to Watch your thoughts. See what you're thinking about. And is that what you want to be thinking about? That's the first thing. And start exercising some control. If that's not what you want to be thinking about, what is it you want to be thinking about? I was I mentioned, I think, in the first episode that I had an experience with spirit guides that a friend of mine had taken me to teacher and had that experience of visiting with my spirit guides and my friend wanted to listen to the tape so I let her listen to the tape and one of the things on the tape my spirit guides had told me that I think differently than most and while many times people are told not to think so much it was okay for me because I think differently so my friend said so what do you do that's different? And I said, how would I know? I don't know how you think. I only know how I think. And she said, well, what do you think about? I said, I think about, like, how do things work? How, how, what makes things happen? What's, what's going on? What's the mechanism? Now, what do you think about? She said, I think about what Dave said to me and what I could have said back and what I will say back next time something like that happens. <laughs> you know, to be honest, I guess I do a little bit of that too, but that's not my my primary focus during the day is what's happening? What do I want to make happen? How is something working? And looking to kind of, I guess, kind of connect the dots during the day. So that if I see something happening during, during my day, is it in relationship to something I was thinking about. And I find oftentimes it is. Oftentimes things actually show up in my life and it happens to have been something I was thinking about. Let me give you a, a few examples. The most recent kind of a interesting example is I've got a pair of shoes that I've just about worn to the point that it's time to give up on it. So I was working on my camper, uh, putting a new rubber coat on the top of the camper. 
and I wore those shoes because they're about wore out anyway. Of course, I did get some of this rubber, liquid rubber on one of the shoes. And when I did that, I, I noticed I'd done that after I was all finished. And I thought, well, it's about time to throw these shoes away anyway. I should go shoe shopping. And that's about as far as I went. I kind of thought about what kind of shoes I'd like, but really hadn't committed myself to going to a shoe store yet. But I thought these were kind of like a boat shoe, and I'm on my boat bar, you know, some kind of, like a boat shoe is probably what I'm looking for. And the next day, my daughter texts me with a picture, sends me a picture of these shoes. And she was at a store, and these shoes were on sale. And she said, it's a great brand. It sends me the picture and wants to know if I'd wear them. And she says, this is your size, right? And it was a 10 and a half. And I said, yeah. And she said, well, they're only five bucks. We'll just pick them up for you. So she picked them up for me, and they're a set of boat shoes. Uh, I forgot the brand. But I've had the brand before, and I, actually I had a set of pair of boat shoes by the same brand. So I knew I, I, knew I liked them. And put them on, they need a little bit of breaking in, but they're working out great. So that's an example of just thinking about something, and it just shows up. And yet, other times I can struggle and and try to make things happen through struggling. <laughs> and that can happen too, but it's through a lot of work. Another example was uh, when my practice was growing the early stages and I don't know I say early stages probably my fourth year of practice maybe fifth year and I'd grown enough that I thought gee I could use an associate and the thought occurred to me where would I you know who would I get where would I find this associate and this person classmate person's face just flashed in my mind and I wondered, how could I find him? I had no idea where he was. How could I find him? And we weren't that close in school either. You know, we, we talked. I guess we were friendly, but, you know, we weren't close. Anyway, I kind of forgot about it. Two weeks later, roughly two weeks later, this man just walks into my office. And he's trying to figure out what he's going to do. He's going to move to this area. His brother had moved to Seattle. And he just dropped in to visit me. But he was moving to Washington State from Florida. <laughs> so he'd just been in Florida. That's how far away he was. And yet, somehow, he wound up in my office. And I just find it interesting to see that. Now, what is the connection? Is it just random? I mean, I know sometimes things come to mind and they don't happen. But the specificity of that, it's not like I asked for somebody to show up and he showed up. It's out of all the men in the world, his face came to mind and he showed up within a couple of weeks. And I was just wondering how I'd find him. And the way this kind of works for me is to ask the question. I don't know if that'll help you or not, but that's how things work for me. One of the reasons I think that works is if we already think we know the answer, or we already think we know how to find the answer, 
then we're limited to our programming. We aren't allowing the spiritual side of us to take control. We're allowing the programming to take control. And I think there's some benefit in programming. I think there's benefit in education. I'm not saying we shouldn't do that. I'm taking more courses right now. I'm on the third book in a marketing series. Um, so I think there's benefit in that. But the real benefit is also adding to that your own creativity. And I find that what works for me is to ask the question. I'll give you another example. I can remember getting ready for lunch and I was the only one in the office at that time and I was just about to, I was leaving the exam room and just about to head to the front door and it was only, I don't know, 15 or 20 paces and the thought occurred to me, where are my new patients? And before I could get to the door, this old man opened the door and says, is this a chiropractic office? And he and his wife were my new patients. I mean, that's how quickly that happened. I had another time where I was heading toward my office one day, and again, it was at noon. <laughs> but I've been working with Carolyn on on this mind control is becoming the innate man kind of stuff, innate woman, however you want to phrase that, innate being that spiritual side of us, or innate intelligence. And the thought came to me, where am I going to get $400? And I really don't remember needing $400 that day more than any other. I mean, any day I could use an extra $400, but I don't remember needing that or why $400 came to mind. But the question came to mind, and instantly I got the answer from Seattle. And then my mind took off, like minds I think so often do, and started arguing, well, how could that happen? I mean, I'm 90 miles 85, 85 miles, something like that, from Seattle. How was I going to get $400 from Seattle? And then I remembered I had a patient who owed me $400 that had moved to Seattle. Maybe he'd pay me, but then I realized, well, even if he paid, I'd turned it over to collection, so I wasn't going to actually get the full amount. Anyway, this argument in my mind kept going back and forth, as I think we find so often our minds tend to do. Until I just shut it off, you know, which wasn't very long. I, I shut it off fairly quickly and realized that just wasn't a good use of my time. <laughs> but anyway, I got to my office and decided, well, before I started my afternoon, I had a deposit to make. So I went, walked across the street to the bank, made my deposit, and asked for my balance. So the person gave me my balance and I just turned around to walk out the door and looked down at the balance and realized it was exactly $400 more than I thought it was going to be. So I went back and asked for a transaction list. And so she printed that off for me and it said that I'd made a $400 deposit the day before. Well, I couldn't remember having made that, but you know, we just talked about how memories can be faulty. So I said, well, I don't remember that. Could you tell me how I made that? Can you give me any details on that? And she said, well, it'll take a few days. But yeah, we can do that. So they called me a couple days later and said, well, we found that deposit. It's a deposit slip with your account number on it and some 
like East Indian looking name, just one word name written across the center of it, not even in the name spot. And it's your money. And it was deposited in Seattle. So think about that. I The question comes to mind where I'm going to get $400. Exactly $400 shows up in my bank account. The answer that I got was from Seattle. And the money was actually deposited in Seattle. And I don't know. I, I have no explanation. for Well, I can probably come up with some, but I don't know what's right. Was it kind of a precognition? Wasn't even a precognition. It was knowing something had happened because it happened the day before I had the thought. I just didn't know it had happened. <laughs> so there's a lot of fun stuff that happens when we start watching our minds and seeing how our what we perceive to be our reality changes based on what we're thinking. And that's why I think it's so important to control our thinking. Well, I'm just about to pull in the parking lot here of my mother's residence here at Spring Creek in Bellingham. I'm checking on my mother first thing this morning as I usually do. So I'm going to sign off for today. Thanks a lot for listening and remember do your best to watch your mind and get control. This has been Robert Affalter again. Thanks for listening.